My name's J.D. Mangrum, and I get to be the pastor of Christ Church Charleston. Just want to tell you thanks for being here. As we sort of roll into summer, roll into the summer heat, all of those things, whether you're watching by YouTube, Facebook Live, however you're watching, just want to thank, say thanks for being here. want to encourage you to leave comments and talk it up in the conversation uh, and comment section. Uh, I, I, that's probably my favorite part, been the most encouraging part. For me as an extrovert during COVID-19, uh, it has been tough not to see your faces and hug you and fist bump and high five, shake hands and all those things. And so even though it's a small sort of reflection of normal, it encourages us when you leave those comments, when you hit share, when you do the emojis, all those things. So please uh, feel free to do those during church. You can talk in church at Christ Church Charlestown, and uh, and I love that. We're in the middle of a series called Asking for a Friend. One thing that we've loved about COVID-19 church is that it's allowed people who maybe would have been uncomfortable showing up at the Harvard Kent on a Sunday morning at 10, it's allowed them to kind of come into church and to worship and to hear and to listen and even to ask questions with a bit of anonymity. So in the middle of the series, I reached out to several people who've been visiting Christ Church during the COVID-19 season. And I just said, hey, are there any questions you have about God or faith or church that maybe you'd like to hear an answer to? And we heard back from uh, five people who shared their different questions with us that we are trying to incorporate into this series. Today, I got to tell you, the person who uh, submitted this question is one of our dearest friends in Charlestown. We've known her since almost from day one. Uh, we met this person our first year here. She's been more than a friend to Natalie and I and to the boys. She's been like family to us and we're so grateful for her. And the question she asked was, am I still welcomed by Jesus even though I don't seem to do everything perfect. Poof, I feel that. Do you feel that? Like, is perfect the standard that God is holding me and you and her accountable to? And then she went on, and this is a direct quote. She said, I try to the best of my ability, but I'm not close to perfect or even great or good. It's what she would call, and so many of our uh, New England friends would call Irish guilt or Catholic guilt. That it's this weight of no matter what I do for God or for others, I still feel like I haven't quite done enough. And listen, I grew up in the South and uh, Baptist tradition, and I feel a bit of that too. I don't know what your religious sort of tradition is. Maybe, maybe it's none, but maybe I think at some level, all of us have at points felt like, have I done enough to please God? Have I done enough to be a good person? Have I done? En- have I done? enough? Have I done enough? And I love the way she said, am I still welcomed? Is our welcome in God's sight and in God's economy based on how much we do or how good we are? Most of us feel this way. If you've ever felt this way, like I get you, I felt this way so many times and still do. If you don't feel this way anymore, I just want to encourage you that, um, a lot of people do. And so if you're a follower of Christ today and uh, you're still feeling this, I pray that you will let the gospel be preached to your soul. And if you're here today and you're a Christian and you don't wrestle with this as much anymore, I pray that uh, you will hear it and that you will become, because what the gospel does, the gospel takes a bunch of birds, uh, us, who are in 
caged in by sin, and the gospel opens the door. And Christians, what we can do for people who feel caged in by that guilt and that condemnation and even the trauma of trying to be perfect and wondering if they're welcomed, what we can do is come to the cage where uh, where the door has been opened and sing the beauty of the gospel. And so today I pray that you will hear a nugget. If you don't wrestle with this, hear a nugget that God would use to speak encouragement uh, to someone else. Now, Today we're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3 is a bit of a letter. It's also a bit of a sermon. It's one of the, it's one of the last books of the Bible, last books of the New Testament that was written. It was written by a guy who uh, refers to himself as the beloved. And, um, he's probably the Apostle John, but it could be another John who is a disciple of Jesus. But we assume that the person who wrote the Gospel of John also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, these letters. And so this letter is going to take a lot of the themes that are talked about in the Gospel of John, but a couple of decades later, it's going to begin to circle back to the churches and say, the churches in Ephesus in particular, and say, okay, what do we believe a generation later about God and gospel and Jesus and all of those things? And so I want to talk through parts of 1 John chapter 3 today. Now, before we look at it, let me just, uh, let me just, let's, I'm going to tell you, we're going to kind of break this message into three points, three parts. The first part is to answer that question, am I welcomed? Am I welcomed? Now, let me give you a bit of a backstory about this person, uh, our friend. We believe, and we actually more than believe, I know that this person's a follower of Jesus because I was there the day that she committed her life to following Jesus. And so I was there as she uh, prayed a prayer and said, Jesus, I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm a sinner, but I believe you died for me and you love me. Jesus, will you come into my life and forgive me? I was there with her the day that she prayed that prayer and asked Jesus to become part of her life. So to her first question, and maybe it's a question you have asked, Am I welcomed by Jesus? The answer is an emphatic yes. Yes, you are welcomed by Jesus. And your welcome is not performance-based. It's based on Jesus and his work at the cross and the work of the gospel. And so for those who wonder if you're welcome, but you know you're a Christian, you believe in your heart that you're a Christian, and you might say, hey, uh, I... I'm a black, I'm the black sheep of the family of God. Listen, even the black sheep is part of the flock. The black sheep is still family. You might say, but I'm the prodigal son. Listen, the prodigal son was just as much a son as the, the older brother who thought he did nothing wrong. You might say, I'm the redheaded stepchild of the family of God. All apologies to all the redheaded stepchildren out there. Listen, the redheaded stepchild is just as much, uh, much part of the family as everyone else. The redheaded stepchild gets a seat at the table at Christmas dinner, just like all the other family members. So if you are wondering if you're welcome today, let me encourage you. You're not just welcomed by Jesus. You are family with Jesus. It makes me think about Noah, our oldest, uh, when we, when Natalie gave birth to him and we welcome him into our family. There are three kind of like milestones I think about with Noah. The first one was his first night at home. I remember Nat and I put him in his little bed and we sat over there and very naively we prayed, now Jesus help this little one who we love to sleep all night. And we laid down and 30 seconds later we were up. He was 
squeaking and squirming and then crying. And really from like 9 p.m. or so all the way until 6 a.m. the next morning, I think we probably collectively got about 20 minutes sleep. And I remember the next morning watching him trying to just begin to fall asleep. And I looked at him and I told him, I said, man, Noah, you really punished us last night with that night's sleep. But boy, you are cute. And I sure do love you. See, he was family. And uh, we were just so glad that he was home. The second thing I think about is the first day he took some steps. We we were sitting on the rug in our uh, living room. And I was here and Natalie was over here. And he took one or two steps and then he fell. And then finally, he took those five or six steps and he made it over to me. And I remember us cheering and celebrating and wanting to like get a memory of that with photographs and everything else. And we weren't mad that he'd only taken a couple of steps. We were so proud that our son was walking. This was growth. And I want to tell you, if you're beating yourself up about the lack of steps, Jesus is celebrating your steps and he's welcoming you. But the thing I think about the most with Noah, probably the most distinct memory, was one day Natalie was dancing in the living room. I was at work. She was dancing and singing. Noah, Baby Noah was sitting there in his little bumbo. And she looked up in the middle of dancing and singing over him. She looked up and there he was, dead asleep in the bumbo. And man, what a beautiful picture of the gospel. Jesus sings over us. God loves us and sings and dances over us in protection and affection and all of those things. And we can rest in what he's done. If you're wondering, am I welcome follower of Jesus into the family of God? Let me tell you today an emphatic, emphatic yes. But the better question might be, well, how do I know I'm welcomed? How do I know that despite my best even though I'm not perfect, I'm not great, I'm not even good. How do I know I'm part of Jesus's family? This is where I want us to jump into scripture today. First John chapter three. I think there are three tests and one affirmation that we can look at in knowing that we're part of God's family. Uh, the first one, let me read first John chapter three, one and two to you. Now see what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God, relationship, not performance. So we are. The reason why the world doesn't know us is that it didn't know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what will we what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. If you're wondering, am I welcomed by Jesus? There'd be three tests I think you could walk through. Here's the first one. The first one is the belief test. Do you believe that you belong to God because of the work of Jesus? We might also call this the doctrinal test. See, John writing to this church or these house churches said, we are his children. Have you believed? Have you trusted Jesus? It's we. He's talking in terms of we. I want to encourage you, if you have given your life to Christ at some point, whether you've been a good Christian or a bad Christian, you are God's child, and I want to encourage you to speak in terms of we when you're talking about the body of Christ. If, if you are a Christian, you are part of God's family. So I would ask three questions. One, are you part of God's family? Deep in your heart, deep in your soul, despite the, the 
ways that your guilt might beat you up or the lies Satan may tell you, do you believe that you have given your life to Jesus? Second question, if you haven't, would you want that peace? Would you want to give your life to Jesus if you know that you haven't? And then third, if you're not sure, maybe if you're on the fence about whether or not you believe, would you want to be sure? Would you be willing to humble yourself and get clarity and peace about that, about Jesus's welcome? The second test, the first test is the belief and sort of doctrinal test. The second test would be the obedience or morality test. Let me read verses 6 through 10, same chapter. No one who abides in Jesus keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning, a habit of sinning, whoever has the pattern of life of sin or the pattern of sin or, of the, or the pattern of life of righteousness, see, these become the evidences of our faith. Let me pick back up. Whoever makes a practice of sinning, verse 8, is of the devil. For the devil's been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. It's not the trajectory, the habit, the rhythm of their life to continue to live for self and to continue to live in sin. For God's seed abides in him. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him. This is like a DNA sort of term. In other words, when someone became a follower of Jesus, God's DNA began to live in them. Second Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. They're not a good version of what was bad. They're a new version of what was dead and Christ has made us alive. You cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. Verse 10, by this it's evident who are the children of God. And who are the children of the devil? Whoever doesn't practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Believer, Christian, this friend of mine who asked this question, abiding in Jesus, resting in Jesus is the way that we can feel God's peace, not resting or abiding in sin and in self. For the Christian, see, sin becomes less and less attractive. And the things that have light and have godliness and goodness and love and faith and hope and joy and all those things become more and more attractive. You may not know how to act on that to move toward that necessarily at first, that's discipleship. That's growing in faith, but it does become that. And then the last test, verses 11 and 16 here, uh, we will call these the, the love test or the social test. Verse 11 says, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Verse 16 says this, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. The first test is the belief test. The second test is the obedient test. And the third test would be the love test. Do I love others? Particularly, uh, as this verse tells us, do I love God's people, the church, other followers of Jesus, the brothers and sisters in Christ? See, being 
a follower of Jesus requires love, a life of love, and a life of identification, identifying with Jesus. Jesus, go read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Jesus never called anyone to follow him in, in isolation or in anonymity. He always called people. Not everybody did he allow them to follow him publicly, but he always called people to identify with him publicly, say, I'm following Jesus, though it costs me everything. So for the one who's a follower of Jesus, uh, but maybe isn't publicly identifying, maybe you like the anonymity of Christ Church Charlestown Facebook Live or some other church. Listen, the test of your faith, the sort of the crux, the, the third test is going to be, will you identify publicly with Christ? Now, here's the gospel, the good news. There's an ace in the hole. There's an ace in the hole for us, and it's Jesus. I'm going to read you a quote that I read this week. How do you know you're a Christian? Not because your heart is good and pure, but because the heart of Christ pulses with a love for you that will never end. Not because your deeds are righteous, but because he has been righteous on your behalf and clothes you with that righteousness. Not because you have lived for him, but because he has lived and died and risen again for you. Not because you asked him to be your savior, but because while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you chose you, called you, and washed you clean in his own divine blood. Now, finally, I think the last thing I would say is how can you feel certain of your relationship with Christ? How can you feel certain of your relationship with Christ and then move forward? I want to tell you a couple of things. One, let it be about affection rather than perfection. If you grew up with that sort of Irish guilt where it was like you had to do these things, say these prayers, do these religious things, jump through these hoops, or some other type of guilt, let your relationship with God be about affection rather than perfection. It's your affection for Christ rather than your perfection. It's about Christ's affection for you rather than about your perfection. It's about his perfection. Affection over perfection. Um, these ideas that you didn't do enough need to be replaced and can be replaced. You can just tell them, look, you can't settle here, thought. You can't settle here, guilt. Shame, you don't reside here anymore because now I'm part of the family of God. I feel affection for Christ and Christ feels affection for me and I've accepted that. The second way I think we need to be encouraged here is to, I want to encourage you if you need to grow in this or how you can feel more certain, speak and think and act in light of who God says you are and who God says you're becoming, not in light of how you feel or the voices that you may hear condemning you. What do I mean by that? My brother-in-law, Greg, and I used to go and play tennis together. And one day I was having an especially bad day playing tennis. And I was like, man, I stink. And I was just, you know, just smacking the racket on the ground and just so angry and beating myself up with my words. And he called me to the net. He said something I'll never forget. He said, look, he said, in this world, there's going to be plenty of voices that are going to beat you up. Stop beating yourself up. If you're beating yourself up, wondering, am I welcome? Am I good enough? Am I great enough? Am I perfect enough? Can I just encourage you, begin to speak and act and think in light of who God says you are and in light of who God is like making you rather than in light of the negative voices that you've heard and the voices of guilt and shame and condemnation. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus died to take on all the condemnation. So now we can begin to tell those voices, you can't stay here. You are evicted. Now the voices that have uh, sway will be the voices that speak about who God says I am and who God says I'm becoming. And then finally, let me just encourage you as far as how you can feel more certain about your faith and your welcome in God's family. Let me just encourage you. It takes a habit to break, uh, to break a habit and it takes a milestone to break a trauma. To see the habit of feeling unwelcome begin to break, you're going to need to replace that with some habits that remind you that you are welcome into God's family. To see the trauma of guilt and shame begin to be evicted, you're going to need to get some stories, some milestones of victory and peace with God. So I think I would lead you to ask this question of yourself. What's the next right thing I need to do? What's the next right thing I need to do? Or, I thought about this this week, what would a spiritually bold version of me do next? If you're wondering, am I welcomed? Am I accepted? Let me just encourage you to ask that. What would a spiritually bold version of me do next? It may be, and and I'm going to give you a couple, and then I just want to encourage you to listen to God and let him tell you what he wants you to do. I want to encourage you maybe at the end of the message today to hit share and then, you know, you can, it says, uh, go, go like post it now, or you can leave a comment. I want you to maybe hit share today and say, this is my church and put my and all caps. This is my church. See, it will take that milestone to break that trauma. It will take that new habit to begin to break the old habit of not being part of God's family. Second, maybe, maybe you would get dunked, you know, Christ Church, Charlestown, we have that blue t-shirt that you wear. When you get dunked, it's always said 02129. Uh, maybe you need to be dunked and publicly identify with Jesus. We have a new shirt that says all in. When somebody gets dunked, they're going to wear a t-shirt that says all in. Maybe you need to be all in. You need to get dunked and have that milestone to replace the trauma of uncertainty and what's been. Maybe if you struggle with financial fear, and that's been my story for a lot of my life, maybe you need to begin to give to God's causes. Uh, you don't hear me talk about money a ton as a pastor as far as giving to church, but maybe you need to give to something God-sized. When you begin to give, that breaks the nerve of fear uh, and uncertainty and wondering will God provide. So maybe that next right thing is you need to begin to begin to give to what God would have you give. See, that habit would replace the habit of fear of generosity. Maybe you need to begin to speak up. See, speaking up, a habit of speaking up breaks the habit of silence. Maybe you need to begin to do that. Maybe You need to begin to lead in some area of your life, your home, your family, your friendship circle. Maybe you need to begin to lead and speak up boldly rather than just being passive. Maybe you need to begin to uh, read your Bible or pray or serve. I I don't know what God's going to lead you to do, but I do know this. You replace a habit with another habit. If I'm drinking too much soda... I need to replace it, not just by saying I'm going to drink less soda. 
I need to begin to drink more water. If I'm being sedentary, but I need to replace that habit with a habit of, okay, I'm going to go walk 100 yards today. Maybe I'll walk further or, you know, something like that. We replace a habit with a habit. We replace a trauma in our lives with a milestone. Jesus loves you in closing just as you are. You have to fake it. You don't have to minimize it. You don't have to wear a mask. You don't have to do any of that. Jesus welcomes you. Jesus welcomes you. He loves you. He died for you. He's not looking for your performance. In fact, when you feel like you have to perform to add to Jesus' death, you're looking at him and saying your death and resurrection weren't enough. And I know that that's not your heart. Jesus loves you just as you are. But Jesus loves you too much to let you stay that way. And can I tell you, our church, like as your pastor, I love you just as you are. But frankly, I love you too much to let you stay that way. And this church loves you just as you are. But this church loves you and loves one another too much to let us stay that way. Press on until you move. Let the Lord press in, lean in, nag you. One poet called God the hound of heaven. Let the hound of heaven chase you until you surrender. Surrender is not a sign of weakness. It is a sign of faith and strength and a desire to become all God made you to become. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for speaking to us. I thank you that just like the churches that John was writing to in 1 John 3, reminding them to, do they pass the test of belief? Do they pass the test of obedience? Do they pass the test of love for for the lost and love for the church, God? Just as those were the tests for them, those are the tests for us as well, God. Help us to examine. Uh, help us, first of all, to just remind ourselves that we are welcomed. Then help us to walk through that matrix of belief, obedience, love. And be encouraged that if we are in Christ, we are totally in Christ. And then God, help us to begin to move forward in action. Help us to replace some trauma and some maybe spiritual apathy with some milestones. Help us to replace some godless habits or some habits of self-rule or some sinful habits with some habits of surrender, some habits of faith and of trust and obedience. God, I thank you that you love us just as we are, but you love us too much to stay that way. So for the one who's not a Christian, would you give them boldness to become one today? For the one who's unsure, would you give her or him the confidence today to say, look, I'm done wrestling with this. I'm moving forward. And for the one who is a Christian, for the one who doesn't wrestle with this, first, Lord, I just say I'm a little envious of them. But second, God, use them to to come up to the bird cages of people who are trapped and sing to them of the beauty of the gospel, that the gospel has opened the cage door, and that we are made to fly free in freedom and grace. We love you, Jesus. We bless you today. It's in your name we pray. Amen.